Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, welcome to World Braille Day. Uh, I think every day is Braille Day. (laughs) I'm Cindy Hollis, and I'm really glad that you've joined us on our community stream. Thank you, Tyson, for streaming, as well as here in the Zoom room. And David, thank you so much for being our host. I'm here with Kim Charlson. Hi, Kim. Hello, Cindy. So, wow, Braille. you know, I like I said, I think every day could be Braille Day to me. Uh, I use Braille in my life all of the time. I use my Braille display at the computer. I carry a slate and stylus with me. Yes, I do, I do, I do. Uh, no matter the size of purse, I make sure I have my slate and stylus with me. And uh, it doesn't need batteries. And uh, when I moved, I did not bring all of my Braille. I had to downsize, but I definitely kept my Braille Bible and an old Expectations magazine from 1970, which has a poem I wrote and won second prize (laughs) from uh, Expectations magazine from the Braille Institute. (laughs) So so Braille is definitely important. And for those that were on our community a thon, I, I used Braille, of course, to to braille uh, over 140 names uh, for our our drawings. So uh, there's, you know, great value in braille. And today, though, it's set aside for us to really celebrate it. And so, Kim, why don't you share a little bit about, um, you've been so involved uh, on many levels. Why don't you tell just a little bit about what you've you've done in the world of braille and um and then yeah we'll we'll move from there and so we can hear from others well thank you cindy and i'm really really pleased to be here today because braille is very important to me as well um it's uh it's definitely something that i use every day um, a lot of the things that cindy mentioned i was going yes 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 <laughs> um you know i have a braille display um I have several Braille displays, actually, because I have a work computer and a home computer, and I can use speech, but I realize when I don't have my Braille display, I I work so much more slowly, and it's just unbelievable to me how how it impacts my performance and my productivity not to have my Braille display there to, to look at while I hear JAWS as well, so... Um, I too carry a slate and stylus in my purse. It's a pretty small one. I have a small one too. Just yeah. a little tiny one yeah. that goes on little tiny four line cards, but mm-hmm. you know, it's for that little note or phone number or something like that, that I have to write down, um, in an emergency situation, if my battery on my braille note taker dies and, you know, I don't have any other way to do it. I just always carry it with me. It doesn't take up very much room. So I can't complain that it makes my purse heavy. Uh, like my notes. Well, you can, but sometimes. nobody's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, it's just 
in so many places in my world all the time. And, and I think it, it really had an impact on what I decided to do for my, for my career. Because as many of you know, I'm the executive director of the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library here in Massachusetts. And um, when, when I was 12 years old, the um, regional library in the state of Oregon, where I grew up, um, moved to the city that I lived in. And I just thought that was like heaven because I could go to the library and I could walk down the aisles and I could touch the books and I could read them. And I had declared that I would read every book in the library, that that was going to happen. Well, of course, <laughs> who could possibly do that? You know, But it was so wonderful just to have books and be able to walk down the aisles and touch all kinds of books and um and I think back about that and realize that it really must have shaped me because when I decided there were two things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to be a librarian. And when I decided that maybe what the world didn't need was one more attorney, <laughs> I decided <laughs> what the world did need was somebody to take on the world of library science who really understood what the needs of people who were blind was, who read Braille, who understood special formats, who could really advocate for people who were blind or low vision and could just get out there and really say, these are the kinds of things that people who can't read regular print need to have. And so that's the direction I decided to go. And in my other life, which is my advocacy life, um, I get to play attorney a lot in my advocacy world, even though I, I don't play one on television or anything like that, but I get to do a lot of legal things that are sort of like being attorney, like testifying in Congress and writing testimony and things like that. So my advocacy work satisfies that, that wish I had become an attorney because you know, I'm much happier doing my advocacy work than I would be being an attorney and having to bill for what I do. So, so I get to do what I want and that's making things accessible for people. I got a call this morning from a woman that we helped get her a book in Braille a few months ago and she loved that book so much. She said, I read it slowly because it was so good. I didn't want to finish it. And now I want to know if you can get this one Brailled for me. Um, because I really want to read the next one. So um, it made such an impact on her life that she was willing to spend money to get a book put into Braille. And that's how much, how she committed she was to, to having Braille under her fingertips. So it, it really does make a difference in people's lives and it has a huge impact on their lives. So I'm really happy that the United Nations saw fit to declare January 4th as World Braille Day. And it's going to be World Braille Day every January 4th moving forward. So um, the more that it, it's only been um, official, I believe for basically, I think it's only like two or three years. It has not been very long that the declaration of World Braille Day has been in effect. So I think the more that it comes around and people talk about it. I think that the, it's going to heighten the awareness um, of people about Braille. And 
hopefully diminish the thought that many people have that, oh, isn't, isn't Braille obsolete? I thought that was old fashioned and people didn't use mm -hmm. that anymore, mm -hmm. which we, we often, hear it a lot, right? We hear that a lot. We hear that, it a lot. Yeah. All of us hear it a lot. Like, oh, I thought you were using computers and iPhones, you know, well, those, those tools do wonderful things. They, I, I use my, those tools every day. I couldn't do my job if I didn't have those tools, but, but those tools have batteries. They die sometimes. Um, they're not very good when you have to get something out of the freezer, and, you know? <laughs> so it's, there's just certain things that Braille is good for. You know, I don't want to use my Braille display in the kitchen when I'm making bread and I have flour on my hands. You know, that's not one of the things I want to have a Braille display around for. I'd rather have a piece of paper with, with a Braille recipe on it so I can follow that recipe and and know I'm doing things right and not have to worry about the technology getting dirty and those kind of things. So there's just, there's a, a right place for the Braille and there's a right place for the technology. You know, if you're in a meeting, I'm sure many of you, you know, when you're in a meeting, you like to have your agenda in front of you, just like everybody else does. In, in hard copy Braille, if you can get it, the things you need for your meeting in front of you. But, but you don't have to have every document for the meeting in front of you in hard copy Braille. Exactly. So, so there's some given, there's some take sometimes. Uh, and that's what I like. Um, a lot of the um, work of um, ACB and other advocacy organizations in the United States and even globally with the World Blind Union have been surrounding Braille literacy. Um, and Braille literacy is certainly a, a much more popular and promoted and advocated for topic in other countries, much more so than it is here, which surprises me, bothers me a lot um, because I think there still is a lot we can do in the area of Braille literacy. Um, but in, in other countries, there's been a lot of conversations about that. One thing I'm really excited about, and I hope all of you will be excited too, and maybe some of you can even comment on it, is it, it's been a goal of Karen Kenninger, the soon to be retired director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled to have a, an electronic braille reader as part of the NLS program. You know, we have a talking book player and we've always had that. And that's loan to borrowers free of charge for as long as they're active with the program. But there's never been a Braille equivalent to that. And Karen has worked very hard over the last, um, particularly the last four or five years to make that a reality. And right now there's eight states and Braille readers in those states are pilot testing an e-reader for NLS. And hopefully by the end of this calendar year, we will be distributing those e-readers to Braille readers all across the country. And the it's work, beautiful. And the work it, that's being done right now by the pilot testers will, um, will help to make that transition go more smoothly. And that will be free of charge to um, any registered borrower of the National Library Service. So you can borrow books, you can download from BARD, Braille books, 
if you don't download, then you would be able to get your Braille book sent to you on a cartridge. And you would have a cable that would connect to the cartridge and to your e-reader. And then you transfer the books from the cartridge into the e-reader, and then you're able to read them. So it doesn't leave people who don't have technology behind, who don't have the internet, it still makes it possible for them to have access to Braille. So my view is that we are going to see a real um, explosion in the availability of Braille because we're gonna have more Braille files available once the e-reader gets out. Um, and there'll be a lot more material and we'll start to see I think more Braille on demand that, you know, not every book is gonna have a hard copy that's gonna be sitting on a shelf waiting for somebody to ask for it. There's gonna be a transition in how we handle that. And there'll be more of a, if you want a hard copy, then it'll have to be produced. Um, certain books will still be produced in hard copy, but others won't be unless there's a real need for that. It'll be electronic. So we're gonna start seeing a blending of hard copy Braille and electronic Braille. So those are some, some highlights, I think, of some of the things coming along in this country that um, I think are pretty exciting for us. You know, I don't know if, uh, if they feel like sharing, but we have actually two other countries represented that I know of uh, right now in our audience, Wonderful. Uh, Macedonia, as well as Finland. Mm -hmm. So if either of you want to share uh, anything about Braille in your in your country, we would love to hear from you as well. And you can raise your hand. Uh, uh, so not to put anybody on the spot, um, but Circo, why don't you, uh, you're in Finland. Thank you for being on our community-a-thon the other night. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad you're to morning. be here. It was, it was morning. I don't, what time is it there? My goodness, it must be late. Uh -huh. It's um, it's good evening. It's about a quarter past ten. Okay, oh, all right. I stayed up because I wanted to join this. I'm this so call. glad you did. Thank you. So, can you tell us about Braille in Finland? Well, we have a, of course, we have a national library too, and the services, and we have Braille books that are printed in in Braille, and you can you don't need to send them back. They're just copies of personal copies so you can oh my you can keep them but uh I, I got so excited about the e the, the braille reader that we're talking about see oh i wish it one day were true here too because it's uh braille is so so important and essential when you, you learn this uh braille and uh, i learned it when i was seven years old in a blind school yeah, in Helsinki, uh, where I was taken. So that's that's my first reading and writing skills. And of course, it got for me. It's it was a long time the only thing I used. But when mm -hmm. when I went to the high school and so on and so on, so I had to use audiobooks because I couldn't get the material for studying. Um, in, in Braille, the, the library was too slow to get the material for me. But then 
later I I worked for the library to copy. Um, they were all done by by so to say manually the copying, mm-hmm. um, like uh, books um, um, to to learn languages. So that's what I did. But my first braille display I got when I when I got the job as a masseuse and I got uh, like all my client registry and so on and so on. It was very helpful. And now I also got a, a braille note taker, which I use on my lectures that I, when I talk to different groups uh, about being visually impaired. So braille is very, like we celebrate the World Braille Day. Uh, I think we've celebrated it here. Um, I don't remember for how, how many years because uh, the local braille instructor here in Tampere where I live, this is a city uh, in um, more or less South Finland or a little bit towards the center, central Finland. So um, our braille teacher always uh, made sure that we have an event here in the city. So we got to the, for example, to a library, to a shopping center. We uh, had um, like, uh, Perkins Braillers and uh, Braille displays there. We had a stylus and we had uh, Braille books we could read to show people what Braille is and to tell about Braille. And we also had like typed people. People always want to get their name typed in Braille. <laughs> That's very exciting yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they never stop marveling. Hey, can you? Can that you doesn't change leg? country to country, yeah. does it? <laughs> yeah. Like they can, like, yeah. hey, can you type? Can you type? But it's my name is French. Can you type that? Mm-hmm. And also in Chinese and whatever. Oh, and um, yeah, and then I always had a little box with a kind of a quotes by by uh, taken from books or whatever. So I gave them this and would you want to wear for the day do you want to read it and I gave them alphabet in braille so they could figure out what they (laughs) and uh, yeah and um, well thank you Sirko thank you so much for being here Um, so yeah and I like braille is all around in my house I braille my cds and essential oils and aquarel paints and uh, and I also like this year I did something that I wanted to do, like put Braille on, you know, so on show. So I started knitting hair bands with uh, headbands with a Braille print, like, like something positive on every band. Oh my gosh, like, that's oh, exciting. <laughs> oh my like gosh. Words matter, right? angel um, love, whatever. <laughs> Oh, I want one. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. I'll be glad to. If ah, I get your address, I can anyway, uh, Sure. <laughs> all right. Anyway, you know, Sirko, uh, when you can, would you email me at community at acb.org? Sure. Thank you. I would, I would love to actually connect with you. Okay. Uh, glad yeah. to do it. Adriana. Can you hear me? Yes, we can yes. hear you. Okay, thanks for letting me talk here. So I think my experience is with Braille, it's a bit like similar to 
what it is like in Finland when it comes to learning. I also started learning it in first grade more than 30 years ago. But in my case, we didn't really have much materials or anything like that. So we had to type up everything with brailers and slates and styluses and all things. And I think it took a lot of our time to do it, but we knew that we had to do it. So we couldn't even improve our reading or anything like that. So our teacher used to help us read from each other's uh, writing so we could correct our own mistakes. And then she got some notebooks from students from previous years to help us improve our reading. And then in the winter breaks and summer breaks, we used to write homeworks with she would give us an old book each, so we had to write sentences or stories or anything. And then we would read each other's works after that. And then it went on further after that at high school and university. We didn't really have much, so I had to use the same dev devices even then. So we, you know, like mostly at school, I had to use slate and stylus and become really fast at it because the brailers bothered everyone so I couldn't do that and even now things haven't really improved we managed to get a braille embosser at the school but seems like we're having lots of troubles with doing the settings and, and, and finding the right kind of people to help us out with doing it and since braille transcribers here like this uh, occupation doesn't exist and the Ministry of Justice is not opening up positions for us to employ someone like that it becomes really difficult so what I'm doing now is especially under corona is preparing braille materials for myself and my students and you're you're a teacher right Adriana yeah, yeah. yes I'm a teacher so and I'm also doing it on a slate and stylus for the most part because my computer chair broke and we're trying to get another table for myself. So it's kind of interesting with paper, paper scattered around the bed and all things like that. So sometimes it can take an enormous amount of time to sort that out. And sure. With Braille um, technology displays and, and note takers, we don't really have any of that because I think this country, blindness right. market is so small and, and most people can't afford anything like that. So. Right. I guess we try to do what we can. I also get lots of magazines to read and, you know, I have Braille all over the, the, the place and try to label things and use it as much as possible. But now with the inclusion, I think we find it hard with, with the younger students to get our message across because I guess they love computers more. But since we can't get them Braille displays, it's like they want to rely more on speech because some of them are really slow with Braille. So we're kind of struggling in that regard. All right, we're gonna, thank you so much, Adriana. Um, Kim, would you like to, uh, you said you had some uh, uh, trivia. So why don't you throw out a trivia question and let's see. Yeah. I have a few trivia questions. So if you know the answer, you can raise your hand. Okay. Um, so I wonder if anyone knows who invented the Perkins Brailler? And I'm assuming it's not Perkins? Well, you would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> but is, there, is, 
is there a, is there more of a name than that? There so I okay. So a, a person. Okay, Diane. Diane. Trailer. Does someone um, know? Well, okay. We've got some hands um, I know on my Braille writer, I first found out when I got my first one that it said something like "designed by Abraham." Well, that's pretty darn close. It does say on the plate on the early Braille writers designed by David Abraham. So I wondered if it was him. It was. And David Abraham, mm. there's a story behind him. He he job, was um, in the he was in the WPA and he was working on a road project um, along the Charles River in Boston. And he was working on a project right along the river below Perkins, or was we're right on the river. And he looked up and he thought, I'm going to go up there and see if they need somebody to work there. It just looks like a nice place to work and maybe I can make a difference. So he just walked in and said, I, I'm a, you know, a maintenance man. I can do anything you need me to do. And he got a job and he worked in our, um, in our How Press. People have heard of How Press at Perkins mm -hmm. for the Blind. And that is and was a, a, a printing press where braille books were produced and Boston line type books. Um, and Boston line type books are books that were in raised print lettering mm -hmm. um, for some of the uh, people from, uh, I don't wanna call us old timers cause that might make me fit into that group. And I certainly don't belong there, do I? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> um, so, but uh, Boston line type was the um, first literacy form that was taught at Perkins because it was, it predates Braille. It goes back to the 1840s and it's raised print lettering. It was used in, in Paris. It was used in England. Um, so, and it, it is raised print lettering. Um, it, it, for years, it was on the cover of some magazines you might have received, like I do Our Special that, yeah. and some of the magazines produced at National Braille Press and that kind of thing. And they stopped using that press in 1979. So you have to go back pretty far um, to see samples of Boston line type. Um, so he worked on those presses and he, when Braille was introduced at Perkins, um, in the, in the 1880s, um, it, the code that, that was originally used here was not the code we use today. It was, it was a code that was called modified Braille or American Braille. And American Braille or modified Braille was still the six dot cell that we know, but different letters were different combinations. And it was all based on the frequency of dot combinations. So characters like A, A was dot one and still is today, but E was dot two. Oh, no um, kidding. You have E a lot in, in our language. So um, characters that had more dots were less used, like Z and Q and things like that. Interesting. So, um, so that was modified Braille. And, and there was some sense to that because of course, um, we just heard that you know people, many people around the world today are still using a slate and stylus to produce their Braille. And that's how 
the students at Perkins were writing their braille. Every student had um, what they called a frame at the time. Um, and it literally was like a wooden frame on a hinge um, with a number of lines. There was many different designs and that's how the students would write their papers. Um, and we've got many different historical examples of all kinds of different slates and things like that. So it was faster to write modified braille. And then you've probably heard the stories of, um, of New York Point, which again was another type of braille that was, the cell was two dots high and four dots wide. So it was an eight dot cell and uppercase alphabet letters had one dot combination and lower case letters had a different dot combination. So to learn uppercase and lowercase letters, you had to memorize 52 different dot wow. instead of the simple dot six before a letter that makes a capital letter today. I had no idea. None. <laughs> so, yeah. so there in the early, early days, and then there was standard English Braille, which the Missouri School for the Blind in the U.S. was the first school to bring Braille as we know it today to the United States. So, um, but the Perkins Brailler was first manufactured in 1951. David Abraham worked on that, designed it. Um, there's been many attempts to um, create knockoffs um, and they, none of them have really been very successful. Um, it has over 700 parts, um, wow. lots of little tiny springs, little screws. It's quite a complex machine. Um, pretty fascinating inside. I don't recommend anybody take it apart because it's really hard to put it back together because of all those little pieces. Um, but Perkins does train people on how to do that. Um, they, they certify trainers and they have trainers all over the world to repair a Perkins Brailler. And the one thing most people tell me is if they got a Brailler when they were five or six years old, they still have it today. Because if you fix it one or two times or you get it cleaned once in a lifetime or twice, it still works. And how many things can you buy these it's days true. that might last you 50 yep. or 60 years? Yep. That's um, true. Perkins has sold over 300,000 Perkins Braillers and they've sold more Braillers than all other Braille writing devices combined around the world. Wow. Because it, it just, we call it the classic Perkins Brailler. Even Perkins couldn't beat the classic Perkins Brailler. Um, they tried a few years ago with the next generation Perkins Brailler and that didn't work out so well. So we went back to the classic Perkins Brailler because that's what people want. It works, it's reliable. It's a little heavy, but you know, it works. And that's what people want. So, so that's the Perkins Brailler. That's very cool. <laughs> All right, so if you would like to share what Braille means to you, we have quite a few people here. You can raise your hand. So we do have some raised hands. Larry, you've been patiently waiting, uh, please. Let us know where you live and, uh, and share. I first want to share with you the fact that I have been a Braille user for 80 years. My goodness. Congratulations. Wonderful. Um, I have to give you a, make a confession. Uh, when I first learned Braille, I was seven years old 
and I hated it. <laughs> uh, my, my teacher in elementary school would give us braille homework every night, and I absolutely detested it. And she caught me one time talking with my classmates saying how much I hated Miss Baker because she made us do this braille homework every single night. And you know what? I bless her today because she made me learn Braille and I have used it faithfully. You know, when I was a Boy Scout, this is kind of interesting trivia. We used to have to go out. We, we were the only visually impaired troop in Chicago. And uh, we were sponsored by a Kiwanis club and they loved to take us out and have us demonstrate our different skills. And one of the skills they loved to show was how we could read Braille through thicknesses of handkerchiefs. And, you know, when you're young, you have very sensitive fingers. And, and I think the record was 16 thicknesses of a handkerchief. We could still read the Braille. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. Wow. I can't do it today, but I could do it then. That's awesome. I, Larry, where do you live? I'm in San Antonio now, but I, I grew okay. up in, in Chicago. Uh -huh. And uh, prior to the Perkins, there was a Braille writer called The Hall. That's right. And, and I had a hall for many, many, many years. And it certainly was not as good as the Perkins, but it was mine. And so, but, but for the most part, I did use the Slate and Stylus. I used the Slate and Stylus <clears throat> when I was studying in Mexico and we had to take notes in Spanish as well as in English. And so I came up with my own shorthand in, in Spanish. And uh, I was in radio and television for 22 years. And I used Braille <clears throat> as scripts for news reading and commercials. Uh, so Braille's lived with me all of my life. And of course, mm -hmm. so, and you, you probably did this, Kim, and maybe you too, Cindy. Um, you know, when we were little, we loved to read under the covers. Oh, no right. doubt about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and my mother would come in and, and she got she got to knowing it. She would come over and she would slap the covers on top of my <laughs> chest and she would hit something hard. She said, get that book out from under the covers. You know, you know, Larry, my mom would say she'd say lights out and then she'd still hear me reading to my sister. So then she'd come in and say fingers out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but, Larry. But one last kind of little sure. funny trivia I want to share with you. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. I was doing a a presentation at a uh, at a conference, and uh, it was just a short little presentation. But I was nevertheless I was standing up at the podium and I was reading it. And one of the ladies, these were seniors, and one of the ladies turned to her friend and she said. Look how nervous he is. He keeps running his fingers over his paper. And the lady said, he's not nervous. He's reading Braille. That's why he's doing that. <laughs> so sighted people, there are still a lot of sighted people who don't know what Braille is. That's pretty amazing. That's true. It? Yep. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Thanks so much for being here. Mika. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Kim. Hi. Hi. So, um, so reading, so Braille for me, I learned how to read Braille when I was two. Um, and, and 
it has just meant so much. It's meant that it's given me a love of reading. Um, so I'm a pretty voracious reader because of Braille. And Cindy, I love your fingers out story because I too read under the covers <laughs> and, <laughs> and tried to figure out which volume, if you're going on a trip, which volume of the book do you want to bring? How many volumes yep. do you bring? Yep. Because you might finish volume one. Yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> you, you could only bring so many because there was exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I wrote lots of poetry in Braille and short stories in Braille, um, and it really kickstarted my love of my love of writing. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I've ever super been organized enough to like label things in Braille, but. <laughs> But, but, but that has nothing to do with Braille. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, that's, that's great. All right. Thanks, Mika. And Mika's in Washington. Yes, I am. Uh huh. All right. Thank you, Mika. Uh, Cindy C. Cindy Calhoun. Well, um, I first learned Braille when I was five, six years old in first grade with Marian Anderson, who, this is not the opera star, this was the name of the, <laughs> my first grade teacher, and um, um, I never could get the slate and stylus right, but I learned on the Perkins Brailler, and um, I remember when we were, at, when I was at St. Augustine one year for the, um, the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, they had these weird looking small Brailers in the home ec class, and I didn't know how to write on them. Uh, they, they, they were, they still had the six keys or they were just like tiny, like, like computer keys are but anyway. Um, and then because I, when I do these calls, I, I mean, when I get these, the calls I'm interested in, like I wrote, I write down the info and braille on, on four by six cards, you know, the, the, the phone number and the past, past, past code and all that. Um, and then I used to read, I used, I read to the library children before our, Demonstrated it to my high to um, to um, my, uh, this, this kid's Sunday school class at my church a couple of years ago. I remember I'll tell you a funny story. One time when I was in second grade, I fell in love. How many of y'all remember Amelia Bedelia? Oh yeah, the book. Yeah, oh, well, sure. I remember I could, I lost it during the middle of it. Everybody was laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. You know, it was so fun. Um, and one of the things I, when I was I will say NFB, we were they were talking about at a meeting one time about how, like, the school systems, they, if, if a student has got some site, they'll still promote them on the on the CCTV. That may be good, but their site might be. They need to start learning Braille right away, even even when they can read print, because they never know when their site's going to go. They need yep. to start that right away. All right. Thank you, Cindy. And you live you. where? And, and um in Birmingham, Homewood, Alabama, from Savannah, there Georgia. And where are you from? Where are you from, Kim? I'm from Massachusetts. I live in Watertown, oh, you Massachusetts. Live, you live in Watertown. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Pam, coffee. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm so used to saying good morning on the social. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what time of the day it is anymore. But... Um, Ditto to the reading, sneaking a book under the cover at night or, okay, how many volumes of Gone with the Wind do I need to take on our road trip? You know, a big major road trip. Uh, and then, um, but what I really want to share is um, an experience that I had 
Oh, goodness. Back in 64, I'm kind of giving away my age, um, but um, we took a trip. My family took a trip to, um, well, we went to New England, but on during the course of the trip, we made a number of stops, and one of them was in D.C. at the Library of Congress, and I kind of joked about that because, you know, I went into the um, National, well, what's, I guess is now the National Library Service part. Anyway, it was huge, huge, huge. And I said, uh, now you may not be able to find me later in the day because I could have easily spent a weekend there just looking at books. And mm. I checked out a whole slew of them. Um, but one of the things that I remember from visiting the Library of Congress was they had a display and they had a book that was print, was written in something called Moon, M-O-O-N, print. And it was strange. It looked a little bit like the raised letters, mm -hmm. print letters, but it was it was weird circles and lines and angles and yeah moon, uh, moon type is was used type. in england it was very uh -huh. popular in england uh -huh. um the 1850s up through probably the end of the um, 1990s even they were still using it in oh really oh wow Whoa. Yeah, it, it it lost favor here in the U.S. and wasn't really produced anymore. Probably after the maybe the '40s, I would guess. Mm -hmm. um, except on there were some software packages that could produce it with dots, which was kind of harder to read than the lines. Oh, yeah. But uh, they found that it was easier for older people to read um, uh -huh. because it didn't require as much sensitivity as the dots did. Gotcha. Adventitiously blind people could read it and learn it easier, but mm -hmm. it's hard to produce. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, it, took a, it looked like it took up a lot of room. And and the other interesting thing about it, it does take a lot of room, even more than Braille, because you can only yeah. do it on one side of a page. Oh, yeah. So you would read from left to right, and then there'd be this little kind of half circle at the end of the line, and that was your guideline, and it would... Mm -hmm direct you down to the next line which you would then read from right to left back to the oh other gosh. side of the page oh wow so you read Ooh. you know one line and then you read back the other way and then you went back left oh. to right and then you went right oh, my to left, goodness. and that's how you okay that sounds page. really complicated yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right thank you so much pam thank you uh, donna donna brown okay um i've got quite a long braille uh whatever in my life but anyway um so i learned braille when i was in i don't know kindergarten first grade whatever but i remember you know how the progression in, in learning braille at, at first you know the lines are a little further apart and then, then they gradually get closer together and i remember when they got close together and i i I had a little more trouble and I said I could read yesterday but I can't read today, can't today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, and then one other little story but then I'm going to talk a little bit about teaching braille because I, I did a lot of that but mm -hmm. in third grade um, was when we started to learn the slate and stylus and and 
And I remember our first sort of real practice activity was it was right near uh, George Washington's birthday. And we had to write George Washington on and then flip the paper over and then write as many little words on uh, using the Slayton stylus of, of the letters from George Washington. And I won that contest. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it was, um, but it was a, a wonderful way to, to practice, uh, you know, it, and it was fun for me. Now, some people I didn't, don't think it thought it was as much fun as I did. But uh, as a teacher, part of it, I taught for 37 years and I'm from West Virginia. Forgot to say that. Sorry. Um, I, 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 um, I, I taught Braille directly, but then I also obviously incorporated it into um, all the subject areas that I taught. And I had a, a philosophy because I, 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 my, my colleagues didn't, weren't always on the same page I was. And I always felt if a, a student, you know, if you were kind of on the fence post, should just student be a braille reader or a print reader, which happened a lot, I, I would like jump up and down and throw a fit and say, they're braille. You know, if, if there's a question, you've got to introduce braille as early as possible. But anyway, um, I was uh, sometimes in the minority on that. Uh, one other thing, you know, I'm, I'm like Kim, I've, I've got all kinds of tools in, in my toolbox when it comes to Braille. And I learned one thing as, as a teacher, and I should have known this, but, you know, the, the note takers and stuff are wonderful. I mean, I've, I've got them and I use them and, and, but it's interesting, you know, we learn to read hard copy Braille as our generation, um, but the students now, they kind of learn a little bit of hard copy Braille, but they, they get to those note takers pretty early. And then when they have to read hard copy Braille, they struggle. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I learned that as a, a teacher, you know, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute here. We got to drop back and punt here. So anyway, that's awesome. Thank my, you. Yep. We have 10 people with their hand raised. So we're going to try and keep moving people. Carrie. Hi, this is Carrie from St. Louis, Missouri. I had a little bit different experience. I didn't learn Braille until I was 31 years old because I had sight, but I, I was at this one school. They said I was reading the Braille, and I think I should have been learning Braille when I was a little bit, you know, a little bit old, younger. But anyways, um, I, um, I use Braille for a number of things, for taking notes, for just everything. And at my, high, at my college graduation, I got to read a... Um, read a speech and I read it in Braille and that was just really amazing. I got a standing ovation for that. And I've also done Braille transcription and still doing some. So that's my experiences with Braille in a nutshell. Thank you, Carrie. Great, thank you. Lucy. Hello, Kim. Thank hey. you so much for being here with us today. Um, and I'm Lucy from Michigan and I've been reading Braille since I was four. My mom actually taught me and I actually learned the Slate and Stylus before I did the Perkins Brailler, which is kind of odd. But <laughs> anyway, um, I also used to do the Braille books under the covers thing. And my <laughs> sisters used to get real mad at me when I would fall asleep and my book would go boom on the floor. <laughs> They'd wake them up. <laughs> so my, my last two years of my employment career, I worked at the Braille and Talking Book Library in Lansing. And I teased my boss and said that I was just going to bring a sleeping bag and move in so I could read Braille forever. <laughs> so 
I love Braille. Kim, would you be able to talk a little bit about the uh, Braille Revival League for us? Sure. The Braille Revival League is an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, and it um, it works for, for people who are you know enthusiasts of Braille, advocates to promote Braille, to promote um, the production of Braille, opportunities to learn Braille, to access Braille, to talk about and learn more about Braille and the different ways Braille can be helpful in people's lives. Um, they do a lot of different programming at, at convention, away from convention. They have a monthly phone call called the Braille Buzz. That's um, a Zoom call. I think it's the every other um, month on a Wednesday night, because I usually have a conflict with my commission on disability meeting. So I, I always know I'm going to miss it. Um, and they talk about just kind of interesting things. Like last month, they talked about some of the new um, new Braille devices that have come out in the last year or so, like the Orbit Writer keyboard that you know, promote Braille <clears throat> with your your iPhone in particular. I have a, an Orbit Writer keyboard that's just a little braille keyboard that's all it is it's tiny little tiny keyboard looks like a perkins keyboard small but it um it bluetooths to your iphone and then you can use it using um ios you know keyboard commands um to do your data entry and navigate around your iphone instead of flicking and and doing all those different things i i still i use it like 50 50 i still flick around a little bit but then when I get to where you need to write in something, I use the keyboard to do that instead of typing on the screen <laughs> keyboard. So that kind of thing is really, it's a great combination of Braille and technology working together as a really nice tool. So BRL promotes those kind of things. Um, and Paul Edwards is the current president of the Braille Revival League. And they have a really good newsletter called the BRL Memorandum that's very informative and useful. So if anybody's interested, um, they can send a message probably to Cindy and she can connect you with information Absolutely. on how to become a member at community yep. at acb.org. Yes. And let's go over to Colorado and talk to Candace. Thank you, Cindy. Um, this is just, this has been a great discussion, Kim. Um, my Braille journey, my Braille journey is long and and I love to talk about Braille. Um, I started learning Braille when I was five and a half, I guess. Um, one of the really neat things about me learning Braille in the school district that I was attending in Atlanta, Georgia, is that um, despite this, the fact I, I had two uh, TVIs working with me and uh, they worked with seven or eight other children and um, the really cool part about that was we had a group of Braille volunteers that would come into the local school that I was attending and they had a place in the classroom where they would Braille textbooks, um, where they would Braille um, just all, all kinds of different stuff. And each month they would Braille a book that each kid could take home. Um, but I, I've always, I've 
I've always loved Braille. Um, like I could go on and on. And I think BRO is a really neat outlet for us, you know, for those who want to join and Right. Thank, Thank you. you, Candace. Lorraine. Hi, um, I'm Lorraine from South Dakota, and oh, I've thought of so many different things. I, could I know it's share. so. <laughs> um, yay for the slate and stylus. I'm happy to know I'm one of at least three people that carries one around in my purse <laughs> <laughs> on this call. I bet you there's more of us. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it is I bet good there's... to know that others do, isn't it? I yeah. I, am I a dinosaur? I still oh no, and I, I but have. It's nice to know that we're not dinosaurs. There is. I have one right by my phone, <laughs> and um, you know, I grab it instead of. And recipe cards are the most wonderful thing that that you can buy, you know, because they, you know, the braille stands up on them really well. When I I um also learned the, on a I also learned on a hall, brailler, and. A board slate. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't too long till we went got to the other slates. I learned slate in third grade. I was reading uh, when I was in college. I was reading something that I'd written to my English comp pr- uh, professor, and she said, "It looks like you read from the center out <laughs> because because oh, your hands are you're going, going yeah yeah." And I had never thought of that. It was. Kind of mm-hmm. odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Thank so, you, Lorraine. I, I, I love Braille. I use all. Agnes. Hi. Well, my most current way to use Braille is to show off my artistic ability. And I've drawn some pictures and competed in our decoration Christmas decoration contest. Love and it. one Great. picture from your book, Kim, I used the really Christmas tree. And I also, from the ACB Crafters Braille podcast, I drew a striped cane. The only problem I had was when we put them up on the door because of the lighting in the hall, it was hard for people to see the Braille, especially from a distance, and easily tell what the picture is. So a friend of mine uh, did a little bit of coloring for me and my service coordinator said when she took the pictures that they placed by the office for people to look at and vote on who would win she made sure that she got close to the braille and the last thing I want to say is I was real fortunate when I learned braille Uh, my TBI Mary Reinertz who is from Winona Minnesota and is now deceased really instilled in all of us the importance of doing braille correctly and let me tell you she was a taskmaster about that I got some spelling words wrong on the test a few times because I put in the wrong braille sign and she just wrote it just as I had it so believe me that made me be extra extra careful the next time around awesome thank you thank you I'm glad to hear you like my book and you're using it so for those of you um, I wrote a book um, and it was published in 2009 for the bicentennial of the birth of Louis Braille and it's called Drawing with Your Perkins Brailler and it, it's kind of like paint by the numbers. If you follow the steps and the directions in my book, you can make pictures using your Perkins Brailler that sighted people can look at and they'll identify things like an elephant or a dog or a truck or a school bus, um, different pictures. 
Um, they're like line drawings using Braille. So that's pretty fun. And people have a lot of fun it making Yes, I use those when I taught Braille with some of my <laughs> students. And they had to read the step-by-step -step and do them. And it was really good practice for them. And very cool that um, the Crafty Chats on Sunday, uh, a few weeks ago, they did uh, they they did a Braille uh, yeah. picture. So, yeah. Mary? Okay, thank you. So hello, Cindy and Kim, and um, I'm from Massachusetts, and I learned I learned Braille I learned Braille when I was 40. And Good for um, you, yeah, um, through the Happy Course, which was really amazing. I first started with line tracking. I didn't know how important that was until I started, and then learning Grade One and Grade mm -hmm. Two. I will never be proficient enough to read an entire novel. Um, to be able to really enjoy it because I'm, I'm just a little too slow. But for me, just being able to have information at my fingertips in Braille, of you know, important phone numbers and notes that you need to, to have and, and have access to and be able to read a menu or a credit card statement. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. been a real gift, especially when you lose the ability to read print. Um, it was, it really helped to really deal with that loss of, of being able to read print. So um, I'm just so grateful for learning Braille and I'm grateful for having known the people who knew it so proficiently that inspired me to, to learn it. People like him and, and other friends. And so. I'm proud of you because so many people as adults uh, get, they don't even go there because it's so hard and it, and it takes time and it takes practice and, you know, it, and it's slow. It's not something you just pick up on quickly. You can memorize a lot of it, but, but the touch part mm -hmm. really, that's the part that takes some time. Right. So it, it, it does, but it was miraculous the way it would, it, I, I realized I was reading with my, with my fingers. It was mm -hmm. amazing. And Isn't I found it? it very therapeutic because it was going through a, a, a difficult time in my life. And it was, it was really therapeutic as well. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Mary. Thanks everybody for being on with us and uh, we're going to continue off air, but thank you and uh, enjoy thank you. your Braille.